0: So many good memories, so many moments. I can remember my mother was being extremely overbearing. She wouldn't let it go. The battle was real, and the scars still impact me today. Sorry, Mom, i got to tell this story. She's going, oh, what is he going to say? She wouldn't let me get away with not going to school. I would try everything I could to be present to her that I was sick so I wouldn't have to go. Uh, running a thermometer under hot water so the thermometer read 105, uh, she kind of figured that out. Uh, that wasn't how sick I was. Putting my head under a lamp and warming my head up, that actually helped a little bit. So she just uh, would go through this battle all the time, and she wasn't easy about that. I usually waited till my dad went off to school because he was a teacher, and I thought that, you know, divide and conquer, I might have a little bit better luck with my mom. And so there was this one time, I was probably about 17, and uh, I was working the system, and finally she gave in. And I was pretty excited because I wasn't going to school that day. So I went down back to my room. Uh, the rule was you weren't allowed to watch TV, but sometimes you could push that, and it would kind of dissolve by uh, after lunch. And uh, so I went down to my room, slept a little bit longer. Then when I started getting bored, I started popping upstairs. Um, and uh, she, you know, was, so oh, how are you feeling, da 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 and as the day went on, uh, it was a Friday, uh, all of a sudden I started talking about how I was having a miracle miraculous healing now i didn 't actually say it that way, but that 's what was happening that I was feeling better and better and better because she knew and I knew that there was a lock in at church that night, and what a lock in was was you go to church and you spend the night there and you stay up half the night and uh, and she uh you know I kept pushing and pushing it and uh, mid afternoon I was feeling great and you know then maybe I could go and and all and on and on and on and uh she she said all right Dave you can go tonight and I just was you know blown away I kind of had kind of had you know gotten my way on this not gone to school and now I was going to get to go but then she pulled out a little note from her purse and she wanted to show me that I hadn't faked her out she wrote down, 9 o'clock, I can tell Davis is starting to feel better. He's going to start feeling better throughout the day. And she just showed how through the day that I was not faking her out. I wasn't this great con man that I thought I was. And she said, you know, I told you so in the morning that you really should go to school and you really were feeling good enough to go to school. And she just kept saying, you know, I told you so. And At least in my house, and I'm sure it was in all of your houses, uh, our mothers, uh, for the most part, lived up to this verse. Uh, I'm sending you out like sheep among the wolves. That was my mom with me and my siblings. You be so, you, so be wise as serpents and innocents as doves, have no self-serving agenda. And so in that, my mother was as wise as a serpent. She knew what was going on, but she was as gentle as a dove. And because she was that way, she could actually say, I told you so, and it meant something. Now, for most of us, when somebody tells us, I told you so, it grades us the wrong way. Uh, Sometimes, if they have some credibility in our life, it still bothers us, but not so much. And this morning, as we look at the life of Samuel and look at how he interacts with the nation of Israel, we're going to see that he basically says, I told you so. And he can say that from a position of credibility. Now, I don't know where you're at today. You may be on the front end of an I told you so. You may have somebody in your life that you're saying, Don't do this or do this. I told you so. You know it's there. Or you may be on the receiving side of it. And maybe there's been someone who has said to you, I told you so. And your response to them is really going to really rise and fall uh, on the credibility they have in your life. Whether they have a a hidden agenda. If it's a self-serving agenda, you really don't like the I told you so. Even when it's a you serving agenda, you don't like that. And then sometimes we're on the other side of that and we're getting ready to say, I told you so. And the question is, is will they respond to us? Will they listen at least a little bit because we have credibility in their lives? and Samuel as we've been leading up to this moment this is a transition for him he's quote unquote retiring as a judge he will still be on the scene the people have requested a king he told them what this was going to mean for them it's not gone well it's 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 coming together at the same time and he's getting ready to turn the reins over to Saul. Saul has had a couple victories, and uh, so he's they're getting to switch over. But in the middle of this, Samuel is going to say, I told you Saul, Saul. And they actually listen to him. They, they don't change their course because they're already going to live with the consequences of that, but he has the credibility. So as we walk through this and we think about our lives and how we live our lives— we hopefully are building up credibility in other people's lives that if we said, I told you so, not in a snarky manner, maybe we, maybe we say it a little different, but that's what we're saying, that they actually listen. As a parent, I hope my kids will, will hear that. I hope they have, I have enough credibility that when I say I would do this or do that, and, and I'm not being uh, meddling in their life, but I'm, I'm speaking into their life, that they actually listen a little bit. And when I say, not snarkily, I told you so, they, they, they hear that, and that maybe sets some things up for the future. And vice versa, I hope I have some people in my life. I really hope all of us have people in our lives. That if they spoke into our life, that they have enough credibility because they have been there, they've been a stand-up kind of person, that when they say that we may not like the message, but because we care for the messenger, we've seen integrity in the messenger's life, not perfection, but integrity in the messenger's life, that we actually lean in a little bit and listen Because when you don't do that, when I don't do that, it just brings more hurt into my life. Uh, The Israelites would live with the consequences of uh, the wrong king at the wrong time. Now, you say, well, God picked him. Well, God gave them what they wanted. And we talked about that earlier uh, a number of weeks ago, that uh, sometimes God says, all right, see how that's going to work on your own. Sometimes we've done that as a parent. A parent's. A kid's bugging us, bugging us, bugging us, bugging us, bugging us. And it's not going to like totally destroy them, but it's not going to be fun sailing after they have what they're asking for or you release them from what they should do. And then after we just say, how did that work for you? How is that working for you? So God is doing this to Israel, but Samuel is going to say, I told you so. And again, he's doing it out of love, out of kindness. And sometimes the only person that knows where that's coming from is us in our heart we know if we're doing it out of kindness or or we're doing it out of snarkiness sometimes there's a little bit of snarkiness in there but again this idea of of i told you so so let's look at first samuel we're gonna look at chapter 12 we're gonna read through a few of the verses and i'll make some comments along the way and here's um samuel he's getting ready to transfer the reins of leadership again there's been a judge system for 400 plus years and uh, before that, uh, they were uh, in uh, 400 and plus years, they were in Egypt, then Moses leads them out, Joshua is the first real judge, and then it kind of goes up and down, up and down, up and down, Samuel Samuel's the last uh, judge. So here he goes. Here I stand, testify against me in the presence of the Lord, oh, like ahead head here, sorry about it. here we go. Samuel said to all Israel, I have listened to everything you've said to me. And have set a king over you. Now you have a king as your leader. As for me, I am old and gray. And my sons are here with you. It's interesting, this idea of my sons are here with you. If you remember, his sons were kind of shady characters. And uh, so the idea here is my sons are with you. They're with you in the assembly. They're no longer in judge training. They're no longer judging. They no longer have a significant position because he's... Back them off. He has not made a deal. Saul, you be king, but keep my sons in some kind of uh, uh, leadership ability, some kind of uh, uh, position, because his sons were not people of quality. The people had identified that. Now you have a king as your... Okay, I have been your leader from my youth until this day. If you remember at the beginning, he was a little boy when he was dropped off at uh, the tabernacle in Eli, in a sense, was his, his 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 fatherly figure. And again, Eli's sons were no good. Uh, they really got into some trouble. So Samuel grows up and has led them. You have these little moments as you're looking through the beginning of 1 Samuel where up comes Samuel, and then you don't hear about him for a little while because he is just living a life um there's a book out there called a long walk in obedience and he is kind of living that life he's it's it's mundane most of the time it's not like wow 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 there's not all these crazy crises. he just kind of walks with god makes his judging rounds and travels and uh, has just been a solid leader and because he's been a solid leader he can in a sense get away with saying uh, i told you so I don't know if some of you recall, one time uh, I, I was blown away this. Uh, Billy Graham was receiving some kind of medal, and it was a joint House of Congress. So there were congressmen, senators, uh, presidents, uh, all these folks. And he's in the room, and he gives the plan of grace, of salvation, of relationship with God. He gives it extremely clear he says, "If you do not receive Christ, if you do not uh, say yes to Jesus, your eternity is hell rather than heaven." And he says it. He says it as clearly. And I'm, I'm listening to this, and I'm going, "How are these people going to react to this?" And they just sat there and clapped. This is great. It's Billy Graham. I don't know how much they were listening, but because of his life, it had. Credibility. They heard it. There wasn't big, today it would probably be different, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that all of a sudden afterwards there are all these little news outlets going, can you believe what Billy Graham said, blah, blah, blah. No, no, they listened. His life said credibility. As Christ followers, does our life say credibility? Integrity. Finishing well. That we're on the path to that direction. Doesn't mean we're perfect, but does our life say that? Because what's great about it is in this moment, you can choose to change the course of your life. With God's help. If you don't have a relationship with God, you can say yes to Christ. And you can start a new day walking with God. And he'll lead you. Those of us who already said yes, we can recalibrate as we talked about that last week. We can stop. We can Turn the direction of our life and start moving in another direction. Again, it's not going to be perfect, but we can move in the path of righteousness. Not self-righteousness, but righteousness. And so, again, we all have this choice. We can change that so we can live a life of credibility. Verse 3. Here I stand, testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed, referring to the king. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From those hands have I accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes. If I've done any of these things, I will make it right. You have not cheated us or oppressed us, they replied. You have not taken anything from anyone's hand. Samuel said to them, the Lord is witness against you and also his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. He is witness, they said. I read that. And I hope I'm a man of integrity, but I also read that with a little trembling. Could someone come up and say, hey. I definitely don't have a donkey hiding in my garage back home. Actually, any kind of animal. But uh, could could what would be said about you and me if if we really laid our lives open and said, "Hey, have I taken anything that does not belong to me?" Have I taken something at work? Have I have I have I taken hours claimed to work when I haven't worked? Um, have I taken credit? Have I whatever whatever it is? Could could anybody be a witness against me against you? Or are we traveling in a life of integrity? He even says if anyone has found something, you know, maybe I did, and maybe I need to set something right you know it's easy right it's easy you work around an office and uh, you need a stamp for something I don't even know how much stamps are right now how much is a stamp 60 cents three dollars I don't know whatever it is it keeps going up you know and you and you take a stamp and that's not your stamp try not to do that can't say I've never done that, but I really try to make sure those kinds of things, because I, I, I want to live a life of integrity. Uh, I, 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 we need to. Our message, God's message is a conduit through us, hinges on our integrity. One of the reasons our country is in the way it is in is because way too long we as Christ followers have not lived lives of integrity. And people can say, hey, yeah, I, I, I like your Jesus, but I don't like your Christians. They really aren't Christ followers, because I know this time, and sometimes they exaggerate, sometimes it's over, but that definitely doesn't help us with our mission as being difference makers in our community when there's examples where we, we, have, we have not done things things Right sometimes on purpose, or we've not made things right. So, Samuel preserves a good reputation with God and others. He does that. They, they, they've seen the way he lives. The imprint of walking with God is on his life, and it touches other people's lives. He's grown in that, he's, he's leaned into it, he's developed, he's, he's filled out the clothes of being a judge. He started as a little boy, he's filled out the clothes. Uh, some of us, um, uh, you know, have taken on a role, and we're not really up for the role. Maybe it's a position at work, uh, maybe it's being a parent, and you're trying to grow into that role. Remember one time, uh, the denomination, the association we're a part of, uh, for the state of Maine at the time, uh, asked me to be treasurer. And they, they they had a couple hundred thousand dollars in CDs, and I had to manage all of that stuff and balance the check and all this kind of stuff. And they wanted to start some churches and all this kind of stuff. And I continually said when they asked me, I don't know if you want me to be the treasurer. I don't balance my some of you know how I used to do it before I got married. I'd round up or round down because I could never get it to work, so what's it matter? I made it. 1275 became 13, and 1123 became 11, and it all worked out. But anyway, but they asked me, and they were expecting me to grow into it. I didn't really. Do, I did it for whatever the term was, and I was out. It was too frustrating for me. But God wants us to grow into being a Christ follower, to fill the shoes. That's what Jesus did. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and others. He had a good uh, disposition. Uh, People liked him. Yes, there were those who didn't. And it's not all about having people like you. But obviously, if people are open to what you're going to say, they're more apt to listen. And so he had a good relationship with his heavenly father. We could look at places where he slips away and spends time with him. Uh, If anyone didn't need to have devotions or a quiet time or a time of meditation, it was Jesus. But Jesus does it all the time. And people relatively liked him. Uh, and And he wanted to be liked. He didn't change his values to be liked, but he wanted to connect to, to people, and, and that's that's what he did. And and his disciples started to get the, his fingerprints on them. Their personalities necessarily didn't change, but their commitment, their integrity, uh, all of those things started to be reflected. It reminds me of this person's driving reflecting their mother's drive. We practiced. Okay, we can get started. And yeah, we can just pull out gear and get. was the mother driving actually (laughs) the person you and i are following as christ followers is that makeup that integrity that heartbeat reflected in us that's how we have that favor that's how it's seen in our life couple little things to do along the way is first of all we need to keep ourselves accountable we read i have listened to everything you've said to me and if we were to go back in the story uh, samuel owned the things that were said to him it bothered what was said to him uh it, it it grieved his spirit so he listened and he heard and he looked at his life. I'm sure he had regrets that his sons hadn't risen to the occasion. He was bothered. The rejection of, of the judge kind of leadership being a conduit, a conduit of God. And God said, You've, they've not rejected you. They've rejected me. But he listened. Are you a person that listens? Are you accountable to others? Look at me. Do you have any complaints to bring before God and his anointed? And, and, you know, we see that there were none. But if there were, I really think Samuel would have made them right. This wasn't just a, 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 a you know, a, a, a political rally where he's out there making all these claims. And No, he, he was going to be held accountable for his word. It was, it was in connection with his nature and character as, his, as a person. In Proverbs we read, if you refuse to be corrected, you're only hurting yourself. Listen to criticism and you will gain understanding. You know, it's hard enough to listen to criticism when it comes from someone that you care for, that you don't think has a secret agenda really hard to listen to criticism when someone has an agenda when they like putting you down when they like just putting everybody down and and trying to listen to that and trying to get the 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 kernel of truth out of it i remember my first major boss out of college i wasn't at a church wasn't at a uh, a christian organization and and he led by terrifying everybody And he would chew on you just because that's the way he kept control. That's the way he liked to do his thing. And it took me a few encounters with him to realize many of the times, most of the time when he was letting me have it in an unkind, not nice way, there was some truth to what he said. And so I had to really learn to suck it up. And say, I'm going to take the kernel of truth, even though the package is unkind, it's mean-spirited, I'm going to take that kernel of truth, and I'm going to actually become a better person by applying that, a better manager. I was a manager at this this institution, and so I I wanted to integrate that into my life, even though everything around it was, was horrible. That's hard work, isn't it? And especially if you have, like, history. I only worked for him for, like, six months. can't imagine what it would have been like for a longer period of time like that. But are you listening? Do you gain understanding? Samuel also had every intention of, you know, making things right. He would keep things right. When he discovered something was off, he would make it right. If I've done any of those things, I will make it right. I don't think those were just words. Sometimes those words cost us for us to make things right. I've shared with you one time in high high school, I uh, worked on this farm and uh, I realized that, uh, this was when I was in early college, it was like three or four years later, I realized that I had been dishonest with the number of hours I turned in one summer, regularly. And I said, okay, God, forgive me, and I'll move on. No, I I said, I need to make this right. i got to own this. Every case isn't like this, but in this case, I just felt compelled to make it right. I was married at the time. We had no money. So I just arbitrarily came up with a number that I should pay back the farm I worked at $300. That was 1988, and that was big bucks for us just starting out married. First of all, I had admitted to my wife. Then I had admitted to my best friend who was the son of the farmer. And then I had admitted to the farmer. So we were home visiting, it was up the street, and I wrote the check, went up to my buddy Vin, and I said, you know, I realized Real, I knew I was doing it when I was doing it, and I feel ashamed, but God has laid it on my heart that I need to make this right. Here's a check for $300. Could be more, could be less. I, I, tr- I tried to make it, it cover more than less. He said, you don't have to do this. I said, I have to do this. He was ready to give me the check back. And, and that $300 at that time was significant i don't think City was making 300 dollars as a private school teacher and i was in school full-time uh, and i don't say that I, that was all god not guilt not guilting me but it was all god convicting me and i think then my life was built a little bit more on that foundation of integrity rather than dishonesty So, the whole question, do I make things right? If you're at a place of worship, church, tabernacle, temple, about to make an offering, good thing, I'm giving some money to the Lord, and you suddenly remember you have a grudge against a friend, or a friend has a grudge against you, abandon your offering, stop motion, leave immediately go to his friend go to this friend and make it things right and then only then and only then come back and work things out with God God wants us to work things out with others that can be very complex sometimes somebody's not on the planet anymore sometimes somebody's around the world you can't do it but walking with God having some close friends that can speak into your life that you can trust with You can walk through a situation like that and say, what do I need to do? Sometimes you don't need to discuss it. You know what to do. It needs action immediately. You need to to make things right. It's not they need to come to you. You need to go to them. You're aware of this. Now, when you do that and you make real attempts, and it doesn't go anywhere, I think you're released from that. You need to know that. It was a situation where I tried to reach out to someone two, three, four times, and, and they just weren't having it, and I said, I guess I'm released from this situation. But I was, I was joking this week, back in the days where you had regular phones, line, landline phones, and you'd call someone and it was busy, that wasn't, and I'd go, oh, that must be a sign from God, I don't need to talk to this person. No, it's just that it was busy. So, you know, you know where that line is being mother's day my mother always was wanted to do this back in the day you remember when you'd celebrate communion and often the pastor would say and if you have somebody uh, that has an issue with you stop right now don't celebrate communion get up from your seat walk over there and take care of it and some people would do that my mother's always said she'd like to go up to somebody and say don't worry about it but i forgive you and just walk off and leave the person going what did i do you know and just leave it hanging in the air but uh, that's what kind of mom i grew up with anyway Making it right, you can look at the story of Zacchaeus. He makes it right. This helps us keep our conscience clear before God and man. That's why Samuel had the integrity to say, I told you so, and the people you're going to see actually listened. They're sorry he could say it because he had integrity. So keeping your conscience clear. Right before God, the little indicator of this idea is: you have not found anything in my hand. My conscience is clear. I have nothing that is yours that I have taken, and it doesn't have to be stuff. It can be the center stage of something. It can be uh, power, if influence, whatever it may be. Not taking it. Paul had to come to terms with this. Believe me. I do my level best to keep a clear conscience before God and my neighbors in everything I do. Things are right. Between God and my neighbors. Those around me. And there's this idea we don't have time to tease it out. When we're not right with neighbors... Around us, it affects our relationship with God. There's this idea in James, when our prayer, li- when, where our relationship with our spouse is not right, it affects our prayers. So God cares about those things. We keep our conscience clear through moral awareness formed by following Jesus and expressed by keeping our relationship with him And others in good standing. Is your relationship with God in good standing? Are you just going through the motions? Is there static on the line because you're holding on to some things? Maybe it's just an attitude. Maybe it's just a chip on your shoulder. And you're not in good standing. Or with others. All of this matters. The reason Samuel could say, I told you so, and they listened is because he had credibility. You and I need to make sure we have credibility. And the goal is not to be able to have credibility so you can say, I told you so. It's so that you can speak into somebody else's life and get a hearing because you care for that person. Samuel is not saying, I told you so, because he's trying to slap down everybody and say, you're bad people, I'm the only good guy, and all this kind of stuff. No, he's concerned for them. He wants the best for the nation of Israel. When you and I are in a position to say, I told you so, it has to have integrity, but it's because we want the best for that person, not because we just want to put them down so we can be elevated that we were right and they were wrong. So, the idea of making right, also the idea with having this integrity, telling people to be able to tell so, is so that you and I can point to God's goodness in the past. When you and I have a growing relationship with God, then we have stories where we can say, this is how God showed up in my life. We can share our story, your story. Samuel will share his story, how God showed up in his life. That increased his credibility. Yes, I don't just talk about God. God actually is a part of my life. I follow his lead, and this is what happened. This is my story. It hasn't been all uh, roses, peaches, and cream and all that stuff. I'm really broken up that my two old bo- oldest boys didn't cut it, and we, you know, they couldn't be judges because... They just they didn't have the integrity I had and and hope we we think that Samuel would have tried. And there's a point where kids are responsible for their own life. But share your story. Point to God's goodness in the past. We're not going to look at all those passages there, but you can look them on your own in first Samuel. But uh, Psalms 105 kind of sums up. Thank God. Pray to him by name. Tell everyone you meet what he has done. Has he done something in your life recently? Sometimes God is silent, but a lot of times we've got life just wrapped up so much that we don't need God to show up. And so he doesn't. We got it covered. He's not invasive. He doesn't make anyone follow him. We love our freedom. He gives us our freedom. Go see how that works. And we can do some miles on our life, and it can go pretty good. We can keep it all buttoned up. Sometimes when we're planning a service out, I say, you know, I want to plan the service well, but I don't want to plan it so well that if God doesn't show up, we still pull a service off. God needs to show up to do work in people's hearts. It's just not us having everything lined up perfectly and this statement, that statement, the video stream working, the screen's working, the air's on, the good temperature. Some might debate on that, but, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. It uh, feels pretty good up here right now for me. But uh, anyway, so the idea of, of him showing up, not being foolish with your life, but having enough faith, having enough opportunities that this is one of those times you're following his, response, his leading, and, and you go with it, and he shows up, and it now gives you a boost to your faith because God has showed up in your life. Part of this not is only sharing your story, but sharing his story, share God's story. Through the scriptures, uh, Moses, uh, uh, Samuel talks about Moses and getting out and victories and all that kind of stuff. You can read it all there. Uh, we've used this verse out of uh, Romans, and we're not going to read it right now. But this whole idea that all scripture, Older Testament, New Testament, is there to speak into our lives, to encourage us, to give us hope. So we tell his story, tell our story, his story. We point to Christ. And then next, to have this integrity, is we plead with people to follow Christ. Now, Moses wasn't doing that. I mean, Samuel wasn't doing that. He was pleading for people to follow God. Christ hadn't been born part of the trinity yes he was pre-existent incarnate and all that goes along with that but for us it's pleading with people to follow christ and pleading may sound pretty strong but we want to just be about that and it may not be all with words but it may be with our actions our lifestyles plead for somebody else to follow Christ. Because we're following Christ. It doesn't mean life is perfect, but it's working in our life. People say, I want that. Man, the bottom of your life dropped out and you didn't seem to lose it. It was hard, but you seemed to, to, to move through that. Your, your lifestyle is pleading the idea of following Christ. I will say there are times where there needs to be words. My later high school career, I really followed Christ with my behavior, my actions. Beginning, not so much. But I have to say, my lifestyle alone didn't do it. I had nobody coming up to me at my locker going, Hey, Dave, I noticed this is how you live, this is what you do. Tell me about Jesus. No one did that. They just thought I was a good kid. Button down, tight kid. No one came out. There there should have been a time where I shared why i lived the way i lived and i actually regret that i'm sad about that i can see kids in my high school classes and i wonder if i just opened the door a little bit what would have happened so we remind them what is at stake samuel pleads for them to follow god he tells them all along what is at stake he goes through the rotations of the judges. They follow God, then they back off, then disaster happens. Then they're crying out to him, and then they recalibrate, and they follow God again. It's like when the pressure's on, they follow him. When things are good, things are so good that they just kind of become full of themselves. That's one of the things about our country, I hate to say. We become so full of ourselves, and things are fairly good. We're not starving for the most part. We're not this or that, so we we can kind of navigate without, without, being so desperate for God. If we were to take time and look at those pilgrims that landed at Plymouth Rock, they were desperate. Desperate for God to get them through the winter. And all of them didn't make it through the winter. So when it comes to this idea of reminding them what is at stake, reminding them that not following God is sinful. And the problem with sin is this, is that, Uh, sin wouldn't be so appealing if the consequences were instantaneous. Just imagine that. Some of the things that you and I have been doing out of sync with God are still percolating in our life. Sometimes they can percolate for years before they actually show up. Some of that's God's grace, some of that's God's mercy, some of that's God giving us time. Some of it lets us just keep going down that road, and then all of a sudden we're at a place where we can't pull back. We are going to have to live with the consequences of our actions, the consequence of our sin. But I know at least in my life, because I'm pain averse. Are you pain averse? I mean, if something hurts, I want to step away from it. Right? If something hurts immediately, I want to step right back from it. So if if the sin in my life all of a sudden immediately got me, I would step back from it real quickly. But that's not the way it works. Some of us can live in the pattern of that, the rhythm of that, and it's just building up steam, building up steam, building up steam. And the consequences of that is something we're going to have to live with for years to come. Even when there's forgiveness, they cry at the end of this, and it's not like they can go back in time and stop. They asked for a king. They knew they shouldn't have asked for a king the way they did it. It was about having God not rule them and all of this kind of stuff. They couldn't, in their tears, all of a sudden Saul didn't disappear and the clock restart. And now they're going to follow Samuel and there's going to be another judge and all of this. People speculate that God was already preparing David in the later years to be the king and all of this stuff. Uh, that, That doesn't happen. They have to live with the king they've asked for and they've demanded. Just like when they were wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. There was a moment where they could go into the promised land. Then there was a moment where that door was shut and they had to live with that. They actually had to die with that. So repentance is the path. We've talked about repentance being the path. We've talked about the idea of a change of heart, a change of direction. And, uh, you know, that that is the path for us. And you realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord when you asked for a king. And they're repenting of it. They're changing their minds. They understand that. But they're going to have to live with the consequences of that. Sorry doesn't get them off the hook. But if it's repentance, it really is a heart change. So as you look at Samuel, he's this man of integrity. And as he's drifting off, getting ready to retire, whatever that means, and you're going to see in the weeks to come that that doesn't mean he's just kind of like living someplace in a retirement home, playing golf or whatever they did back then. He's still out and about, but he's not the leader. Saul becomes the leader. And we see that for him, this means praying. And he has to pray for God to work. And it's interesting, sometimes when folks get a little older and they don't have the stamina to be out there doing stuff, a great ministry is prayer. It was sad to lose Joyce Williamson last year. And not only sad to lose just a sweet woman, but sad because she was a person that prayed. Hard She had lists, and she prayed and prayed and prayed. So someone would say, oh, Joyce, what can you do in your, your twilight years? You know, And she, oh, I wish I could get out and go. No, she could sit in her comfortable chair and work her way through these prayer lists and bring people in this church family and the world before the grace or before the throne of God. That's an awesome ministry. That has effect. And the people ask Samuel, Saul's our king now, you're still around, pray for us, please, please pray for us. And Samuel looks his prayer as a privilege, he's he's delighted to pray, it's not a burden, when someone asks you to pray for them, Think of, wow, this is awesome. They, they actually think enough of me that they want me to knock on God. They want me to call up God and say, God, hey, can you help in this situation? Not a burden. The people all said to Samo, oh, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that we not die. For we have added to our other sins the evil of asking for a king. And we still see with interactions with David and Saul, a couple more times that uh, Saul—I mean Samuel—has uh, this ministry, this spiritual ministry, and he he prays. He's not running around the countryside as much. Uh, he's older, but he prays and he counts it a joy. You see, praying for others is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to touch somebody else's life. Can look at those verses on your own that talk about prayer and the opportunity and what what happens, but the flip side of this is prayerlessness is a sin. God wants us to be in communication with them. Um, Samuel basically says this. He says, As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. When you and I are asked to pray for someone, we ought to pray for them. The thing I do when someone asks me, I I at least pray in my head in that moment, not to check it off my list because sometimes I forget and I want to make sure that I've actually prayed for that person. So praying for that person, taking time from your schedule to pray. So when you think of Samuel, you think of him, a person that could say, I told you so, and the people received it because he was a person, a man of integrity and we read in ecclesiastes that endings are better than beginnings sticking to it is better than standing out and i said earlier samuel was out and about the country you have these little snapshots of when he's doing something but there's these years these gaps there's like 10 20 years where we just don't know what's going on but he's out there doing his thing he's faithful he sticks with it so as we look at life we may say our ending seems to be far in the, in the distance, or maybe it's close. We need to understand that, yes, beginnings are important, but endings are better. How will we end? How will we be? And that's our bottom line for this morning. Endings are better than beginnings. And everyone in this room who's breathing still has an ending on their horizon. You all have an ending on your horizon so you can leverage that and you can use that ending in a positive way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for the life of Samuel. We thank you for the fact that he had integrity, he had character, he had follow through and oh Lord, do we need that? We can think of, wow, I need that in people around me but we also need it in ourselves. Help us to be the kind of person that Samuel was. Help us to see that our sin has a, has a, has a compounding effect in our life when we just kind of let it ride in a corner of the room, of our, our room in our life. Help us to deal with those things. Help us to be a people that can have the credibility to others to receive a, so I told you so. And also help us to be people that can receive, and I told you so. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name.